you're listening to How I See It, hosted by Han. You guessed it, that's me. I am here to motivate and inspire you with guests from all different industries and backgrounds. So get ready for personal stories of success, of growth, full of highs and lows, and of course, unapologetic realness. This is How I See It. Okay. Yay. Okay. I have Erica Stolman Dowdy on the podcast today. If you guys don't know her, she's a blogger and influencer. She's an entrepreneur. She's the owner of Fashion Kush, which is a chic fashion lifestyle brand for the stylish stoner, which I love. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so Love excited. Oh, I know. I had to like <laughs> mention Fashion Kush because it's so cool. Thank um, you. I've been following you for so long. It's so cool to like actually like meet and talk to you. So I just love to hear your story of like how you started. Like I know you grew up in San Diego and I would just love to see like how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Um, well, I was originally born in Nashville. Okay, cool. I started off. I moved to San Diego when I was around six years old. Um, when I was like, I want to say nine, I started making purses out of my mom's vintage Harley shirts, which that's actually, so cool. It's they were really cool, and I wish someone still had one. It kills me to like think I cut up a Harley shirt, like. Now <laughs> that. But I think that's like when my family realized that like whatever I do in life, it's going to be some like creative endeavor. I love that. I was never like into the academics, never into sports. (laughs) So my family was always like, what is she going to do? So in when I graduated high school, I wanted to go to FITM. I wanted to work in fashion design, marketing, textiles. I feel like every person, every like influencer now who like couldn't place what they wanted to do, like thought they wanted to do something like that because there wasn't like this this option. Yeah. Fit up. Exactly. Um, but my parents were really set on the whole four year school thing. So I found a school that had a fashion program and I studied mark fashion marketing with a minor in textile development. So cool. Yeah. I really thought that I would work in like the product development industry. That was my goal. That was what I wanted to do so badly. And then I graduated and I didn't go into that industry. I ended up getting a job at a social media agency and social media. Well, it was, it was interesting. It was a social media agency, but they were a couponing company. And it was was a strange situation they had going on, but they were like using social media to like promote the couponing company to like back in the two things. So they had me, my job was, I was the voice of this, pretend character called cheap Sally I and, anyone, that. Yeah. and anyone in like who's a couponer like would know of this site because they had their heyday it was really strange it was like this merging of couponing <laughs> with like hot influencers they weren't influencers like the hot blogger moms of the moment okay and they were merging the two so it was a couponing company but they would host these like what we would now call an influencer event but that's the hilarious time, yeah, they would host these influencer events with all these moms. And so while I was doing this job, I was seeing the back end of how it works, how yeah. the bloggers are making money and the social media agency side. And I was like, I, at this point, I did have a blog. I missed okay. a huge part. 
in college, I started the blog as a hobby and there was like no bloggers. And I was literally just like posting photos from like an inspo folder of Mary Kate Nash Wilson. I love that. That's how I was too. Like I started my blog in college as mm -hmm. just like this, like way like outlet to complain about how much I hated college and just like exactly. talk about random shit and then post my looks every now and then exactly I love there was no formula there was no nothing the only person yeah. that read it was my mom and my dad like, there was <laughs> nothing going on there so I was hobby blogging at the time um and I was working in this job and when I was seeing how they were doing it I was like okay I'm gonna try to like amp it up a little bit because these women these mommy bloggers are making a good living yeah um and I could see how like this was this could be an upward trend and there was a few fashion bloggers on the scene so I started like on my lunch breaks I would bribe my my like my co-workers to come with me take photos of my outfit or let me do this hair like this braid in your hair and like take photos of it I love and that. I learned I was like learning how to make infographics so I was like making a lot of like infographics and it started going viral on Pinterest which was great I started getting an audience through Pinterest it was really exciting so cool. I continued to create content this way and then one day I got laid off from that job my entire department got laid off. Like the company was done and I, the couponing was, ended. <laughs> yeah. The couponing era was came to an end and I was just like, everyone around me was crying and like sad and super bummed. And I was like, I don't have to be up at eight in the morning tomorrow. And like, I'm gonna <laughs> get the, yeah. that was my first thought. Like I remember everyone was so bummed. I was like, I don't have to wake up early tomorrow. Like, yes. Um, but I kind of just was like, I have this blog and I really want to see if I can make something of it. Yeah. So I'm just gonna, from here, take this as a sign, bust my ass on this blog. I got like a side job, a little hustle at a clothing store. And then I gave myself six months. I was like, if I can start making money on this in six months, then I won't go back to corporate. And I started working with Forever 21 and Charlotte Roos like two weeks after that. So Love like, Charlotte Roos. What a yeah, throwback. <laughs> such a throwback so I don't even awesome. know if that still exists I don't think I don't know either I have no idea yeah. I just ate, awesome. I just dated myself yeah um so, how yeah, long would you say it took to like get to a place where you were like full-time like I feel secure in, in my career I feel like I, I know what's going on <laughs> once I landed the two jobs with Charlotte Rooster and Forever 21 um, and actually there was one more, there was a nail polish company that I was working with those three jobs. Like it was a ongoing thing. It wasn't just a one timer. Yeah. So it was like a really good, it was really divine timing for me to like get those three things lined up. And then from there I just grew, but having, I mean, it took, since I started the blog, you know, I would say two years to like really get to where I was, yeah. but there was such a learning curve cause there was no, there was no such thing as blogging. Yeah, no, so it took a while for, Yeah, it took a while for like the industry to pick up and then for them to realize that this was a good marketing opportunity. And once I started working with those brands, I had a steady monthly income and I just started booking more collaborations from there. I feel like everyone, I like at least for me, like I was so like intense about having a blog too. Like I wanted to have a site and like that was mm -hmm. kind of where the love for it started. And how do you think that like your blog translated into building a community on Instagram? Because like you obviously have this like amazing engaged community, especially as you got into launching a fashion brand. I mean, it was crazy. It just took like, you know, it was set, everything was so new. So to shift from blogging to Instagram was like, 
you, it was basically changing from blogging to like micro blogging and then yeah. like bringing in, I mean, of course I would direct my audience from the blog to Instagram, but like Instagram is much more like insightful in terms of who was following you and like, you know, how many and all of this. And so it grew from there and really people shifted their attention. I think that in the beginning, a lot of it was like my loyal blog audience. And then, you know, I acquired some more followers, but I felt like I had a, sl a slower incline on Instagram because I mean, I always say, I just feel like in the beginning when I started on Instagram, I was really trying. And I think that a lot of people could relate to this starting on Instagram to fit this mold. It was like the travel blogger yeah. generation. Yeah. Everything was heavily filtered and everything had to be perfect. And it was all about how's my feed look. And like, you know, all the, this was the priority. And so everyone was trying to fit this cookie cutter mold. And then I feel like it started to evolve where people were like, we don't want this. I mean, now we're in yeah. full blown. No, but nobody wants the curation. Yeah. Everyone wants yeah. realness. But like, it was starting to evolve a little. People were like, like getting a little bit more comfortable on there and like being who they were. And then it wasn't until that I like really embraced who I was and was not scared of this new platform. Because I feel like that's like, it was a fear of like, how yeah. much should we put on here? How much should we share? Like digital footprints, like the, you know, it's so different yeah. from blogging. Oh, once I just like really embraced like who I was and what I was passionate about and stopped trying to like fit the mold of what the perfect Instagrammer looked like is when I really started to take off. Yeah, I feel like I've talked about that too. Like, I feel like I didn't like, I knew what like my purpose was. Like I wanted to like inspire people. I wanted to help people. I wanted to like instill confidence in women when I started, but I feel like I didn't know how. And like, I was I wasn't over that hump yet of like yeah. fear and like being like a hundred percent authentic and unapologetic. And I feel like you do a really good job of that too. Like I said, I've been following you for a while and I just, I love how real you keep it. I feel like we're very similar yeah. in that way. Like I always like to like talk about like what's going on and like, I know you're the same way and you've especially been very like open about your mental health journey. A big thing for me is like, it didn't feel good for me to like put out this facade that everything was perfect and it was more damaging to my mental health. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I really didn't, I didn't want anyone to come to my Instagram and look at my photos and be like, that's cookie cutter. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, I, that just made me feel icky. Like I didn't sleep well at night because of that. Every day I was waking up having to put on a persona because that's what everyone else was doing around me. And I just felt like, I think the first thing I started talking about really was uh, how I smoked weed on Instagram. And when I realized yes. that there was a good reaction, yeah. And I realized people like, you know, they weren't judgy. They weren't mean. They weren't, they, they reacted well to that. I was like, you know, I could talk about some of the other things that make up who I am. And one of the huge things that makes up who I am is I, I suffer from anxiety. I have mental health issues. I always have been dealing with this my whole life. It's a struggle. And there's, of course, going to be tons of people who relate to this. Yeah. And I think that also, like, for me, is it's not just a one-way community. For me, it's a two-way community. And when I share these things with my audience, they come back with support, with advice, with ideas, you know, and it's really been beneficial on both ends I can share what helps me and then I have this great audience who comes to me with these wonderful tips advice messages yeah yeah, yeah. I feel like there's like a dis obviously there's like a distance from followers right like you're through a screen and I feel like when you decide and like actively make a choice to just really show up as you and like really present like your day-to-day -day in a realistic light it not only makes 
me feel like less icky and less weird. Cause you're right. Like if you just like are having a shitty day and then you show up and you're like, hi, like, yeah. I'm all good. It's yeah. weird. And it feels weird. But like, not only that, I think it, it really does elevate your community. Like from a business standpoint too, like it, it makes the connection stronger. It makes the community mm-hmm. stronger. And I feel like that's why people are starting to figure that out, especially with like TikTok yeah. popping up and all of that. I've always wanted to present on my social media, like who I am. And if you meet me in person, like it's the same person. When I meet yeah. someone who follows me and they're like, I feel like I know you. I'm like, you do know me. Like you yeah. do. feel like you do. That's me. And it's so always I, so I, disappointing when you meet someone in person that you've been following on socials uh, for a while. And you're like, oh, I'm so disappointed. You're not the same. And it's happened. It's happened to me yeah. before. I don't know. Maybe I'm just naive to believe that like everybody keeps it real. Oh, and I'm so naive. Same. Yeah. And so like, I'll, I, it's happened to me where I've met someone that I really looked up to and I'm like, maybe they just had a bad day, but yeah. it's very not the same. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a disappointment. And so like, you know, I love when I see someone and they're like, I feel like I know you. I'm like, we, we're, I feel like, you know, I feel like we're friends. Like, yeah, because totally. I do feel like I've always talked out to my audience. Like I'm talking to my friends. I remember when I was following you and you started talking more about like weed and like coming out with that. And like, I was definitely more in that community in college than I am now, but I thought it was so cool. Cause I felt like there weren't a lot of faces like me who were like talking about that kind of stuff. And it almost had this like negative connotation that like, you're like lazy or like you aren't an entrepreneur and you don't work hard. Like, how did you navigate that? Like, did you get any backlash when you started talking about it? I, um, I got one negative comment that just said, ew, I'm unfollowing you to, <laughs> to this day, like to this day. Awesome. And it's been 10 years. Like I've gotten one negative comment. I, I mean, again, with the mental health thing is I felt like I was not painting a full picture of myself. I do think that <laughs> consuming cannabis is like, it's a personality trait. Like you, there's a type of person and you got that type of person or you don't, there's you know, I think, you know, if you're a wine drinker, you probably vibe more with wine drinkers. And if you're yeah. a joint smoker, you're going to vibe more with joint smokers. Um, so I did feel like it was like a missing puzzle piece that I wasn't sharing this like, big, yeah. like dirty secret. And I'm like, it's not a dirty secret. And like, I was like frustrated. I was like, people are always drinking on Instagram and like, that's who they are. Like, I, this is what I do. I smoke weed. Like, yeah. You know, and I it's like, why do people have to hide it? Like, maybe I should talk about it. And like, kind of like destigmatize the idea because I think from the, you know, the picture perfect Instagram feed and the stereotypes of smoking cannabis, you wouldn't picture me a cannabis smoker. Like, yeah, yeah. like it's just not so you'll picture. And I was like, I I also love to surprise people. So I was like, I just like posted a picture of me in my bed. Mind you, this was like 2005. So I wouldn't post this aesthetic today, but I was wearing like a black <laughs> one piece and I was smoking a joint. And I had like a neon sign and like I posted the, and then everyone, that was like my top performing post to that date, like up to that. Wow. And everyone was like, either this is so sick. Like you're amazing. That's so awesome. Cause like, nobody's talking about this or like, yeah, duh. like the other responses I love were like, well, obviously like, you're yeah, like, or, oh. like, you're also, I was like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, duh. Like, obviously like they just already knew, which I also loved. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that is what ended up setting me apart. 
Yeah. You know, and I feel like at that point in my influencing career, I was looking for something to make myself to like make my brand stand out. I was looking for my niche. I was looking to like, what's the thing that's going to make me a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to come out with it. Cause I was like, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. Yeah. So. And I think the cool part about that is that like, you weren't looking for something like trending or like not authentic to you. Like it is, this is like the biggest example of like, just look inward when you're trying to find something that sets you apart. We're trying to find something that's going to take like your community or your business or whatever it is to the next level. It's like, what's authentically you that like, you're not displaying and not sharing and not like marketing off of. And I guess this is like a good segue into like starting fashion kush. You ended up starting this whole lifestyle fashion brand. And it's like, it was one of those things. I remember when you came out with the brand, I was like, no one has done this. Or at least I haven't seen it. Like, I haven't seen something like this chic and cool associated with weed. So, like, how did it start? I know it's with your mom, right? My mom and I were sitting around the kitchen table. We were smoking a joint. I was, again, like, yeah, naturally. And I was, again, I was, like, looking for my thing. So, like, I was at a point, this was, I want to say, three years ago looking like what's my next big thing I was still creating content I was still blogging but I just was like I need something more for sure more definite you don't know what is going to happen they Instagram could be gone when I wake up tomorrow you know like that's always a scary thing and I was like I don't want to be up Schitt's Creek I need to create something that's mine and not under like you know your Instagram platform, it's yours, but it's Instagram's. Your Twitter, yeah. it's yours, but it's Twitter's. Your TikTok, they can take it away at any second. So I was like, what am I like? What's my thing, you know? And I was like, it's weed. Like that's you know, obviously we've established that's kind of like my niche. That's my standout thing. So my mom and I are sitting there. I was like, you know, I really want to create like a company that helps shatter the stigma and kind of like bury the stoner stereotype and gear towards women because the market you know I mean you go into this local smoke shop in the corner that there's nothing I want there like yeah. that's that and that's only adding to this negative stigma there's tie-dye shirts hanging up and like little <laughs> bags that say like smoke weed be happy like that's not the vibe like I want <laughs> like I want to aesthetic. match my house yes exactly and I was telling my mom I was like I want like the things I use to smoke weed to look like home decor. Like I want, like, you know, it's cute. You're going to want to take an Instagram of these things and then further doing your part in shattering the stoner stigma and the, you know, all of that. So my mom was just sitting there and I was like, I want to do this with you because at this point I started putting my mom on my socials and everyone loves her. Yeah. I want to do this with you. Like, what should we do? And my mom was just like fashion kush. And I was like, fashion kush. And I like literally bought the domain emailed my lawyer. I was like, get me an LLC. Like I set this business up. I love that. And from there we just took off. Yeah. It was like immediate. I remember. Yeah. We launched very fast. It was so cool. It was so, so cool for someone who's like listening to your story and they're like, Oh, like I want to do that. Like I, or maybe they already have a community. They want to launch a brand. Like, what would you say? Like, what are some like takeaway tips for like getting started in this way? I mean, I would definitely start brainstorming and like doing your market research. So like just a brainstorming sheet of like what you're passionate about, list them all out, list like products you love in your house, kind of narrow that down, figure out what niche, what your niche is. I would say start small, go bigger, 
expand as you go, but start with one key product, two key products, kind of play around with it. Um, definitely set your business up correctly. Consult a lawyer. Like you should set all that up correctly from the beginning and it'll make your life so much easier. You can build a website super easily on Shopify. Love that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just say launch get going and start learning. Like there's what's the longer you wait, it's just not going to happen. Like we launched fashion Kush so quickly. We had like five products and I was like, let's just go. I feel like a lot of times people are very intimidated to start. And so they just never do. And I feel like I've always tried to just push myself to do it. Even when it feels uncomfortable, you just figure it out as you go. And there's no point just sitting around having anxiety about it. Well, I mean, the problem is, and this has already happened multiple times with Fashion Kush. I have an idea for a product. If I do not move fast enough, I will see that product somewhere. Someone else will do it. You won't kick yourself harder. Like that is the worst thing. So like just envision this product that you have that you're dreaming of that, you know, you want to create and then envision someone else doing it. So hurry up. Get going. It's so crazy you say that because I was just reading. I don't know if you've read this book, Big Magic. Um, It's like, yes. Yes. She talked about book. the idea of like ideas and like how yeah. quickly you have to grab them. And if you don't yes. grab and execute, they like float to someone else. Yes. Yeah, a wonderful book. It's like, it really is. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Living creative life without fear. Love that. Yeah. Lots of people argue like back and forth. Like is the social media too oversaturated? Is it not? People go back and forth. And I feel like it's just like, you have to grab the idea and run with it. Cause someone yeah. else is going to do it. I, I mean, I guess I'll just, it's already happened. I had this idea when we first started and I sketched it out for a, gr- a bubble grinder, like a bubbly grinder. Cute. And we never got there. Like the, the, the development of it was just too difficult. We couldn't find the right manufacturers. And so we kind of tabled the idea. But a year and a half later, I saw it in Urban Outfitters. No. And I was like, I mean, that's great. I mean, fabulous. I don't care. I've got a better idea now. Yeah. But then when that better idea came along, I grabbed it and ran with it. Yeah, you don't need to learn that lesson twice. No, you don't (laughs) need to learn that lesson twice. Is it oversaturated? Do you think it is? I feel like I've been asked this on podcasts and I've given two different answers on two different podcasts because my opinion of it kind of changes sometimes. I feel like Instagram potentially. Think about like if I had to start on Instagram today, like you... It's not impossible. I mean, if you, if you really have a niche honed in, you're ready to go and you've got a plan and you've got strategy, but like now it is so much algorithm and strategy and like just a fight. I mean, even after growing my audience for all these years, like it's still a fight to like beat this algorithm, hack the algorithm, like, you know, yeah. and I feel like it's an app that people unfortunately spend really less time on finding new creators. Yeah. You know, it's been around for so long that like, that search for all these new creators is less desirable from the audience. They've got their people that they follow and they like them. So I do feel like that's a difficult platform platform to start on, but I feel like TikTok, absolutely not get started on TikTok. And if you grow on TikTok, you direct back to your Instagram and you can grow your Instagram that way. TikTok, it's just where it's at. I spend much more time on TikTok these days. I feel like I always tell people like it's not in the sense of like no one can be you so if you show up like 110% you and you're just like putting out content that you love like no it's not 
but you're right. Like Instagram feels like it's built against creators now. And the amount of effort I have to put forward to even get a video or post to like perform well, it like, there's like so much strategizing involved. It used to be so much easier. I remember I was like, my engagement was insane. Like when I was like 20 K less followers, like it's just so different. You have to spread yourself out to the other platforms, especially if you can do well on TikTok. like they all go to Instagram and it's just, it's a whole, it's just such a different world now. It's a hard thing about being in the social media creator space is like, you kind of have to learn to pivot all the time. Yeah. I feel like, you know, with Instagram, capturing an audience like started off easier and like capturing a committed audience, it started off as like an easier thing to do and they really stuck with you and there was this like personal connection. With TikTok, you can get a ton of views on videos. It's a little more difficult to capture a loyal audience on TikTok, especially if you're just doing trends and they're not getting to know you and getting to know your personality yeah. and people. And the interesting thing is the trends are the ones that pop off, you know, the more get ready with me videos or talking videos. It's a little harder to go viral with those in my opinion, but those are the ones that get you that really committed audience. And once you have that committed audience on TikTok, who know you, who know your family, who know your dogs, like all of that, you have such a strong loyal audience that they will go over your TikToks. And it is just easier to just create on TikTok, perform on TikTok. They don't, it's not about curating this aesthetic, like, yeah. about realness and I think it's a great platform to cross promote to grow your Instagram account and to grow an account there yeah I think as you Love like TikTok. spend I know I do too I was very yeah. hesitant at first like when it first came out and now I have so much regret about not getting on sooner like oh my gosh I should have got on when it was musically yeah exactly <laughs> In the beginning, I was super hesitant to join TikTok as well. And I've always been hesitant. I was hesitant to join Instagram. I was like, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm a blogger. Like, that's where I'm sticking. Um, But my husband was like, will you just trust me and join TikTok? And I was like, Uh. and I started. And I so I got on pretty early. And I think that really helped me. And now I'm hesitant about threads. But I did join. Oh, I joined immediately because I was just like, I don't want to make the same mistake again. Yeah. (laughs) I, again, I was like, eh, like, I don't want another Twitter. And then my husband's like, just trust me. Like, he's (laughs) always looking into the social media stuff. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll join. But I don't, I don't really enjoy threads. I don't either. It kind of triggers me a little. Like, I feel like I'm in high school again and I'm going to get subtweeted. Yes. (laughs) And it also, it's like giving, like, it wants to be Reddit. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, but I 100% agree with you. People don't realize on that it's more important to have an engaged, like committed community than it is mm-hmm. to have just a ton of followers from trends that popped off. It ends up being way more impactful. Like there's creators that have like 10K that have like the most trusting community and that's way more yeah. valuable. Totally. What I always say about Instagram is like, you know, when I was like a, I don't know what they call it now, like a mid-tier blogger and I had like 40,000 followers, my audience was more engaged than than now when I grew. And I yeah. see that happen on a larger scale too. When someone hits the millions, the two millions, the three millions, their audience becomes less engaged because it's more out of touch for them. So, I mean, I think it's just the interesting thing is the bigger you get, you really have to continue to like be who you are, connect with your audience on a regular basis. I feel like as people get bigger too, they forget how important it is to engage with your community in a real way and just even show your face. 
Totally. There's this one influencer I follow who she shall not be named. Um, she was, <laughs> she was one of the influencers I met I, in real life that like really it made me really sad because she was not a nice girl, That's but awesome. she got huge. She blew up and now she like posts like two stories a day on Instagram and then like her pretty photos. And I'm like, you're that the stories are like really important because you're getting that connection with your audience and like you're not yeah. doing that anymore because you just kind of think you carry it and like now she's got like I don't know how many followers two three four million I don't honestly I have no idea I don't follow her anymore but she was getting like 20 to 40 comments because she's not creating that connection yeah. anymore you know, yeah. you lose your spark with your audience when you get once you get too big for your britches. So kind of going in a different direction because I want to make sure we hit this. Oh, I yeah. need you to talk about your microdosing experience. I don't really know a lot about it. I've only done mushroom chocolates like twice. Yeah, I um it actually the whole mushroom thing started. My dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's four years ago now. No. 2019 so I don't know how many years 20, 20 yeah four years ago um and I his mood was like the first thing that it affected yeah. he was really agitated all the time and so I had remembered that I had a friend whose husband was dealing with some agitation and he started taking mushrooms and she said it saved their marriage and I was like okay I gotta get my dad <laughs> on these so I called her up I said what's the connection she gave me his info I got my dad on the within a week his mood was exponentially better so my mom was like I want some and I was like I know right I want some so I placed an order for my mom and I and we started microdosing um and I immediately just like I felt it like I felt like the spark of creativity my productivity my energy just like I don't even know how to explain it I feel like when you get older life kind of gets not not older like you know that but like life kind of gets repetitive you start to like kind of lose that energy you once had and that passion for the things you were doing and like you know I used to love to like make yeah. food and make juice and work in my garden and like I kind of was just feeling like those things I wasn't loving as much anymore and I was just like you know I was loving convenience and like not just doing the things that I was passionate yeah. about and I feel like the microdosing like brought that back to me like that lust for life wow do you would you say that it like would you say it like brings you like back to your authentic self like it just like highlights yes that? yeah it like brings you down it makes you grounded like it, just everything I mean I felt like I had more energy I felt like I was sleeping better I felt like I was just more creative I thought wow. my brain pathways were open um you know that's the main thing is it says like the mushrooms help like connect and like fix the broken connections of your brain's pathways wow and I've done in the past I've done a lot a lot of somatic therapy which is similar it's about like connecting the left and the right side of yeah. the brain and so it's a similar concept. So I was like, I'm all in and I love it. Um, I'm not doing it currently. Um, just because I'm taking a little break there, you could get a tolerance to it. Gotcha. And I've been trying like some more functional mushrooms right now, just like test. And then I'll go back to it. You know, I take a little break so that I can, it usually my, like how I dose it is I do five days on two days off, but I felt like I just needed to like reset. And then like try, you know, get it. Yeah. Back. Okay. Mushrooms. Just like adding mushrooms for dummies. Like, does it feel like you're high at all when you micro dose? No. So macro, like you're getting high, you're seeing things. I've never 
I would never say I've successfully done that. I've like, my husband's gotten the chocolates and I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I like eat like a tiny bite and I'm like, I don't feel anything. And he's like, yeah, you didn't eat anything. So microdosing, you don't feel high. The first time I took it, this was, and it's never been in my system before. So this was like the first, first time I was a little nervous. I was nervous. It's like a lot of people are. And so I was like, I'm going to take it and just get on with my day, move on with my life you know, whatever. I decided to go to a Botox appointment, (laughs) which was like the weirdest decision I've ever made. And I was perfectly fine, except I started flushing. So if you're, your microdosing should have niacin in it, which like opens your blood vessels. Uh, it's just a vitamin and it can make you turn red. So it was actually the lady doing my Botox was like, did you take niacin? I was like, well, I microdosed and there was niacin in it. And she's like, I'm going to give you like 10 minutes to like get the flushing down while she left me there. I did think the ceiling was very beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, wow, that ceiling is extra beautiful. I remember thinking this is a beautiful ceiling and it was the ugliest ceiling. It was like the ceiling in a school, like those paneled ceilings. And I thought it was beautiful. But after that, I mean, that was, that was it. And then I was absolutely. Yeah. Like you can still drive. Right. And like still. Like you're not even close to high. That's cool. I've been interested in trying it. Not even close. It's wonderful. I definitely recommend it. Life-changing. That's so cool. I'm really glad you brought up your dad. And it was something that I like loved that you started talking about because I feel like it's obviously really difficult what you and your family are going through with your dad. But it's been really cool to like see you talk about him and like the gifts you've been getting him. Like that dog video, like, oh my gosh, my oh. heart. Yeah, I mean, it's something it's again it's like with the weeds and with the mental health it's like these are real life things that people go through it doesn't matter if you're an influencer a nurse a teacher like these are real life things and like everyone in this world is just looking to connect to people sharing similar experiences and I'm no exception um and I also like I think there's so much like fear and like talking to people about things like this. I see people are like, even people close to me are uncomfortable talking about it, which I totally understand. But um, I just kind of want not to normalize it because it's a shitty situation and it's awful, but like, you know, teach people like, how do you talk to someone who's dealing with a parent who's having Alzheimer's or if you're dealing with it, here's someone else that's dealing with it. Like here's some things that I do to cope or things that you could try to connect with your loved one who's experiencing it but yeah it's difficult it's it's a really difficult thing to navigate um and it's an awful disease and I hope that they find a cure for it sooner than later so that people don't have to go through this because it's truly horrific yeah and this has been for he was diagnosed four years ago yeah four years ago Wow. I mean, and who knows like how long before that like you know if there was anything we could have do could have done I mean you know, it is genetic. It runs in my family on both sides. So like, great. I actually went to a naturopath and she said, do you want to be tested for like, if you have the gene? And I said, no, absolutely yeah. not. I don't want to know. Don't no. tell me. I don't even be scared. Well, she ended up doing it and forgetting and telling me that I do have the oh gene, which is gosh. like, duh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 40% just for everyone who's got the genetic component, 40% of people I believe in the United States have the genetic component component. It does not mean you're going to get Alzheimer's. It just means you have the genetic component. So, I mean, lots of things. I think that this generation that we're living in are much more health centric 
than our parents' generation. I mean, for the majority. And we have a lot more things that we know about. We have Doc Amen, who tells us how we can help our brain help. You know, there's a lot of things we can learn from and do differently. But yeah, I mean, anyone navigating Alzheimer's, I think that the best way I can sum it up is it's just, it's an awful, awful thing. Yeah, I think like it's, I appreciate you first opening up about it. Thank you for talking about it because I think it's, of course, and I'm an open book. No, but I think it's an, it's a, I'm really happy and I think it's cool you're sharing it. And I feel like some people would wonder maybe like why, but I think it's authentic to you totally, and like what you're doing and also like it's a way that I feel like you can like cope. I feel like whenever I'm struggling, if I can help someone else, it's a way for me to get through it as well. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I do feel like, you know, my family is everything to me. And so to like leave that part out would be just yeah. weird. A, B, it's a coping mechanism. C, I want to offer advice if anyone else is go- going down this road and the people I've connected with and met and talked to who are going through something similar. Like it's, I'm sure it's invaluable for me and I hope it's invaluable for them because it just, you know, you're yeah. not alone. Like, you know, that you're not the only person going through this. And like, you know, I do struggle because it's not my story to tell. It's my yeah. dad's story. You know, and I never show, I don't show my dad's face because at this point in his Alzheimer's, he can't consent to that. And I also know he wouldn't, he wouldn't consent to that. He wouldn't want that. So, you know, it's just a fine line of like respecting him and also taking care of yourself. Yeah. And like that for me is a form of how I, how I cope. How yeah. I and I it. think it just speaks volumes to like building a community, like building a community is not just about like sales and like sharing products and whatever even though that's a huge part of it like another part is like sharing your life and the hardship that comes with it and that's it's essentially why I started the podcast like I want to hear people's stories I want to like give people a platform to talk about like what they've been through and it's never an easy road and most people who come on talk about like the struggles and the financial struggles and the mental health struggles and like this is real life we're all human like welcome and like 100%. 100%. It, it's just cool and I, I not to make it about business but I feel like it does really like contribute to building an authentic community totally I mean people need to they need to f- feel that you're yeah. human like there's nothing compelling to me about somebody who has a perfect yeah. life doesn't do it for me because it's not all. real <laughs> doesn't do it for me at all it's not real like I don't I just think you're a phony yeah. like that's not real like what are your struggles what are your real life things how do you cope with those struggles how do you face them and losing a parent is a very real life experience that everyone's gonna have to go through unfortunately yeah, yeah. if you were to offer like I like one we're obviously talking about like authenticity like really keeping it real but if you were to offer a couple more takeaways on just like building a successful community whether it's online whether it's at work like what would you say you're obviously very good at it and I love that and I really look up to you and what you've done but what are a few things that you think or just like random thoughts about it I mean it's so funny when you say like building the community at work it's like I have so much social anxiety so if I had to build this community that I built online in real life I'd be like it's actually something that I'm currently working on I am working right now on building community in real life and I think that in real life and online it's very important to remember that just everyone puts their pant legs on one leg at a time I love that like we are not you know we are all the same everyone's got different struggles but everyone puts their pant like everyone starts the day starts their day the same. yeah you know we're all the same people with problems and it's you know you're not better you're not worse you know and connecting with people is just one of the most important experiences so like to be able to do that on a large scale 
and connecting with people on social media is wonderful and connecting with people in real life. I just think the key to it all, as we've mentioned, is just being your authentic self because I, I don't know, I can smell bullshit a mile away. You know, and if I and I'm always I'm like a, I'm an empath and like I can feel when someone's energy walks into the room that just doesn't vibe with mine. I know Dude. that quickly. You're not being yes. authentic to yes. yourself. I like hate. I am the same. Way. I can tell. I'm a totally an empath, and I just like always say it like I'm an empath because I feel so dumb saying it, but it's true. Like yeah. I'll walk across the street, someone will walk by me, and I'm like, oh, their energy's off. Like yeah. sending back, sending good That's vibes me. your way. Cause like something's happening or like, I feel like I'm the girl sometimes where like I meet someone and I just like, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like I'm trying to like really just like give people chances to like show their true colors, show themselves. Sometimes I'm like, I just don't like them and I have no reason to not. I just have bad vibes coming from this person. Yeah. My husband and I were actually talking about this day and I was just like trying to figure out what the common theme is with people that I just don't vibe with or that I used to vibe with and I don't vibe with anymore or friendship or anything like that. And I'm like, what it is, is like, A, the authenticity part and B, like just not having a leg to stand on. Like, I want to know what your beliefs are. I want to know where you stand. Like, it doesn't have to align with mine, but I want, I want to see you own it. I want to see you be proud of who you are. And those are the people that I'm drawn to. Not these people who are like wishy-washy. They'll believe this and they'll, be, they'll do this and they'll do that, you know? So I really love the authenticity. And I think you just have to think of like in a situation, whether you're in an office or a line of like, what, what draws you to a yeah. person? Like, what is it that draws you to a person? Because that's likely what you should I be love doing. That. I love that you said that. I hate to bring up like the pandemic, but like something about after that, people are just like, don't have time for bullshit anymore. Like I don't, I'm just like, no. can we just be real? Like, no. what are you actually thinking? Yeah. What are, what are we actually, yeah. like, you don't have to agree with me, but like, I just need to know like what you actually believe about whatever we're talking about. Or can 100. you just like, if you're not interested in talking to me, can you just like not like, I feel like sometimes people, exactly. will, people will, like, entertain conversations with me. And I'm just, like, this feels like a waste of time on, like, both of our ends. Like, that doesn't – it's not a bad thing. Yeah. I just, like, don't – I want to just live authentically. I think, like, I've talked a lot about it on the podcast, but, like, a lot of my mental health journey and, like, what really put me in bad places was just, like, violating my conscience. There's a lot of, like, freedom and, like, peace and relief when you can just, like – be be you and I think that people attract to that too like that's how you build a community on socials or online so much and I think just and and it also will help you like weed out the relationships that aren't serving you anymore and it'll help you really align like what is important to you and you will it's 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 kind of a form of manifesting I mean you know the energy you put out will will then surround you and like you will get that energy back. And I just feel like ever since that, like, I, you're right. It must be the pandemic. It's like, you just, it, cause it got all of our priorities in check or whatnot. We all thought we were going to die. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started putting out the energy that I wanted to receive. And with that, it was weeding out the energy that I didn't want in my life. And everything just feels more aligned once you accept that. that. And you also are very authentic to yourself. And I agree. I would literally not be upset if I was talking to someone and they were like, hey, our energies don't vibe. I'm going to go. I'd be like, I love you. Actually, I actually think our energies vibe. Yeah. I, I feel like now too. we just hit the reset button because yes. Yeah, that's so true. The problem is that if you actually vibe to someone, like 
if they said that, I'd be like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. I think we're reading energy wrong. Yeah. It's like, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. No, but like, even I have like a lot of respect for like when people, like I can always tell when someone's like really confident and true to themselves because they'll kind of give me like a bullshit, like, okay, well, it was nice chatting with you. Like, have a good day. Or like, they're like trying to get out of situations or they're trying, yeah. like they're respectfully trying to like defuse a like interaction. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I, I love mean, that. And, you, and I used to, ha- I mean, I still do. I have a hard time saying no to things and to people. But then I remember that when somebody says no to me for whatever it is or it's something that I want to do like I have so much respect for them for being able to say no and know what they are not going to do that now I think mm-hmm. hey I want to be I want to be like that like it's okay to know what you're what you're okay with and what you're not and to say no and people aren't going to be mad at you because people just are really appreciative of the realness these days yeah I think that people get confused with like like one, I think people think authenticity is just like a repeated word. It's like, it, it exists for a reason. Like it's, it's a smart choice. Like everyone needs to exercise authenticity, but also like, I think people like have this weird misconception that like, yeah. no, is like an offense. People think it's like disrespectful or something when most of the time, like no, is just as, as long as you're respectful and kind and appreciative of people's time, like no, is yeah. a very normal thing. You know, and I think it's generational too. I think that our parents' generation, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how old you are, which generation you're in. I don't even know which generation I am. I think I'm a millennial, but our parents' generation <laughs> was very much yes men, very polite. Like, and then the generation yeah. below us, which I also was a Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen X, I don't know, whatever. They are just free yeah. speakers. Say whatever the, fuck they want and then like millennials are in the middle where we're like we're yeah. so respectful but we're like still speaking our minds which is I feel yeah. like just the perfect mesh of all of it it feels like it's always pendulum swinging yeah like it's like never just this like happy medium yeah so that's why I think it's important to have conversations like this too because maybe it will inspire someone to be like you know what I don't have to say yes, yes. to everything yeah. and I can just like talk to the people that make me feel good because like especially life is so hard and it's so busy and like I don't want to waste time like doing things I don't want to do that's just depressing and I'm sure that like your dad and what he's gone through has really like allowed you to see that even more so totally I mean I think this experience has as difficult as it is and as hard as it is it has really changed my priorities my beliefs time is a resource and so many people are yeah. time poor these days. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't like to say I'm time poor because I, I'm very privileged and very lucky. But with the limited time I have, do I want to be like dicking around with at a networking event with people I don't want to network with, or do I want to be hanging out with my nephews? Like, uh, you know, yeah. like I'm not going to do things just because they think it's the right thing to do, the polite thing to do, the good thing. If I don't want to do it, don't do it. Like, yeah, like it's slips. not aligned. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It's like a happy medium, right? Because, like, I feel like I've had to, like, I've had to, like, put myself out there more. Like, I feel like I'm kind of, like, a hermit a bit where, like, I've, like, almost cut myself off too much because I'm, like, comfortable. And I'm, like, no, Hannah. Like, yeah, put yourself out there. You do have to get out of your comfort zone. But I think at the end of the day, like, if something, like, intuitively doesn't align or, like, you're not enjoying a situation, like, you don't have to say yes. Yeah. No is, like, a full sentence. No is a full sentence. Love that. Love that. Who said that? I don't know, but I love them. Who said it? I think it was, um, no, I think it was um, the Olsen twins' sister. Oh, I love that. I love that. No is a full sentence. Yeah. (laughs) 
I love it. Maybe I should change my bio. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This conversation has been so fun. But before you leave, I ask everyone this at the end of every episode. Just looking back on your journey, like what you've done from childhood to now, where you are, like how you like navigated creating a business. How do you see it? How do you see the journey? How do you see where you are now? What would you like say to someone who's like trying to create and build a community and like be successful at (sighs) like owning their own business? How I see my personal journey is like slow and steady wins the race. Like I, I love, that. I really see it. Like I, I mean, except for fashion coach, but like the brand building of the whole picture, you know, I really had, I went with the waves of it and I learned, and I learned as I go. And I think my advice to people out there is be true to yourself. If you're going on this journey, just stay true to who you are, be patient, hone in on a niche and just ride the wave, yeah. go with the new trends as hard as it is you have to be creative now yeah you can't just like post and like think it's gonna work like you gotta try and like make your niche and like who you are apply to the new trends because it's like what we said earlier like if I'm doing a random like cap cut trend on TikTok that like doesn't even apply to my niche it may get like a hundred thousand views but no one's gonna follow because it doesn't even make sense exactly it's a journey and you just really have to be passionate about it because no matter what people say content creating influencing it's not easy it's not easy it is so hard i love it i i love it but it is so difficult and riding the waves is probably the most difficult part about it yeah it's hard there's ups and there's downs and there's learning curves left and right so just keep going if you love it okay thank Thank you you so much your socials just in case people aren't finding you where they can find you and fashion kush at fashion lush on instagram at fashion kush on instagram at fashion kush on tiktok erica stolman dowdy yeah. on tiktok and fashion kush. put it in the notes yeah put it in the notes <laughs> my new name is very long so put it in the notes i will thank you so much thank erica. you of course thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode and i hope you leave here feeling motivated and inspired do not forget to rate and review the pod on apple Podcasts and spotify and don't forget to follow how i see it pod so you can keep up with podcast updates and see who's coming on next And if you're not already, come join the fam and follow at How Hand Sees It. Thank you, guys.